Cosmic Salon, and I have one of my favorite YouTube influencers, as they say, Erin uh, T. Scott. I've been listening to her for years, and I actually ended up on Steam It because of Erin bringing everyone over. Erin, <laughs> welcome. Well, hello there. <laughs> this is a great honor. I'm so glad. I've talked to you passively just through comments on your videos and over at Steema, and it was it was great to talk with you on the phone, to get connected with you to do this. And so I thank you. I thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're very busy to have this chat with me. Bring on and fill in your bio. Let's get going. Just before we start that, uh, when you contacted, and she has a much better memory, and she says, uh, when I saw your email, she said, see, this person, in, in the comment section, and, you know, I, I can generally remember most of them. Anyway, uh, your name. Yes. You're, you're pronouncing it Niche. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting is, is you were just saying thank you, thank you, thank you. It is my understanding uh, that... It is pronounced a little differently in the Native American tongue, but it's spelled it's spelled the same way. And with it being a double I, it's pronounced Naish, Naish, and Naish in uh, several of the Native American tongues is the word for thank you. Oh. And uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if you know that or not. But, um, I, I did not. You're bringing something new to my table. It's the middle part of my full name, but I, I always thought it was kind of a fun play on words to say niche. Everyone wants to say niche, and now I have this naish aspect. Naish. Yes. Naish. You got a, you got a, a long I and a short I. And then Naish is thank you. Thank uh, you, thank you, thank you. Well, Naish, <laughs> that is wonderful. <laughs> Thank you, Erin. That is that's great to know. Thanks, T brought this forward, correct? Yeah, she said, "Yeah, well, I recognize, I recognize." It. So, yeah, it was. Um, we had a good, yeah, we had a good conversation when uh, you called to, to see if I'd come chat with you, and uh, we should have recorded that. There were so many fun things we talked. About. I know that was good. It was good from the get go. I was so thrilled. Yeah, it is. Well. Um, uh, what I should say, uh, the lead in to my portion of the journey is just welcome to the journey. It is a, uh, crazy journey that we're in the middle of. Damn that Chinese curse of, you know, may you be born in, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I wish I would put me back in the 1500s where it was nice and quiet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's kind of exciting because it's showing us what we're made of. Let me underscore this. We are all on a journey and it is my my knowledge, my knowing, not a belief, but knowing that we are spiritual creatures in a physical journey. And it is the physical journey that prepares our spirit to become what it eventually does. And that 
we are all one in essence on that same journey. And we're all getting the idea, the concept across. It's like a brain. You have the the greater consciousness, which is the consciousness uh, of all living. Uh, the, some refer to it as spirit. Some refer to it as God. Some refer to it as Allah. You can put your name on it, whatever you wish. But the point is this. We are all in that same consciousness, but it's like a, a brain. You know, we are each cells in that brain uh, exchanging thoughts and ideas. The concept to see how we are all connected because we are all part of the same living energy force that is known as thought or consciousness or spirit. And that's our journey. And that's our journey is here in this crazy, stupid physical world is to, is to learn how things work so that we can do a better job in our journey, uh, have a little more fun. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of little goals. The biggest goal is to improve, to be better, to become our highest, most powerful, best, that we can is to grow yes. that's what we do that's what the universe does is continue to grow so we are in uh, those most challenging times or go the curse of interesting <laughs> times and um, so my journey as with all will have a similar similar kind of ring to it as a lot of people uh, we were all kind of in the matrix in the system and believed everything and knew everything as what we were told is you know, honest and, and forthright and true and, and all, you know, everything has our best interest in mind. And, and the problem was it was fake. It's amazing how fake everything that we thought was real actually is yes. to the nature of what we really are, uh, that we're not, you know, little marbles bouncing around in space, but more of a continually flowing energy constantly moving and evolving and changing energy. Not that I want to get deep into this part of it, but right now we're still having, we're going back to that stupid battle of flat earth, you know, round earth kind of thing. You know, if you do not know what is real, then your judgment and your ability to discern the world around you is significantly compromised. You can't judge, can't discern. You can't know how to deal with things if, if everything you've been told is a lie. And that is our journeys right now. All of our journeys have some kind of echoing of that same theme. And the theme is trying to figure out what reality we have that we can trust versus what we can't trust. What is a lie? What isn't a lie? Where do we, you know, how much of our world do we want to disrupt uh, by changing our belief system? How much of our world do we want, do we have to in order to survive? You know, because there's a big difference. There's a lot of our population that says, oh, no, 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 everything was fine, everything's normal, and that's going to stay. And if you even remotely hold on to that kind of belief system, you're going to suffer greatly as things continue to change. So we're in a hyperbolic period of change. Say I'm probably one of the leading understanders of that change, not the first, but definitely towards the leading portion of the bell curve you know who cliff i is and he he's he's done a good job of explaining where thought matter or thought energy spiritual energy ideas because that's what everything is an idea is a thought everything that is is a thought everything that is is an energetic thought and when things change there is that you know there's that bell curve where the lower bottom leading edge you have the innovators 
And the innovators are the ones that are going, okay, let's look at something new. And then you have the early adopters. As you come up that bell curve and it steepens, you have a lot of the initiators. And then you have the, uh, as a curve rounds over, you, you have the, the masses and then you have the, you know, tails down and then you've got the old farts that just don't want to change at the very back of the curve going, no, let's hang on. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're, you're seeing this evolve. So the, the, the question of our journeys is where do we fit on that and when did it start? So for me specifically, I was born in 69, so I'm 51, early years in the 70s, um, which kept me from really seeing and understanding what was going on that point in time, but you know, I grew up mostly in the eighties or a lot of our maturity is done in our, in our teenage years. So from 1980 to 1990, I, you know, is when I was in high school and graduated high school in 87 and went into uh, engineering and then had troubles there and went into the military, really learned some not good things, came out of the military and went back into engineering. But most of the last I would say from uh, 87, because uh, right out of high school, I started right at a, uh, at a surveying company. My mom was a realtor, and I wanted to draft, and she got me into this company uh, drafting. I didn't ever want to really survey, but because the uh, guys were never trustworthy and couldn't show up, half the time they were drunk. The second day I arrived, instead of drafting, they said, well, we're shorter guy can you go out in the field for the day and I said sure why not and um you know it took me two and a half years to get out of the field and off the construction sites and out of the woods back into the office to actually start doing some drafting but I made my way up through the 90s through the um the engineering field and quickly um advanced from a rodman to a instrument man to a um party chief and and then eventually came in and was doing drafting. And then, and then eventually I started managing projects. By the time I um, lost my career in 2010 due to the housing collapse yes. in California, I was working out there and I was at the top of my game, 120000 a year, had more, uh, making more money than a lot of the old guys because I just do the work. And I, my desk uh, used to be proud of it. I, oh, I was so proud. I had more project folders that would go across my desk than anybody else in those offices that I would work at. And, and I got paid for it. I mean, I, I did well. Uh, yeah. But my first uh, awakening, the first few events trying to wake me up, and there was a, we'll, we'll hit the big one here. The problem is we get so tied into our matrix. And, and if you've ever seen those movies, the Matrix movies, they're brilliant. They are yes. absolutely brilliant and explaining how it works and how things work within the matrix um, that we live in. And when um, Morpheus told Neo that everybody in the matrix is a part of the matrix, and because it's all they know and they believe, will fight their with their lives to defend their you know their involvement in the matrix. So he's telling Neo that any one of them can become an agent because he's explaining to him about the agents, these programs, or call them <laughs> your policemen, your your lawyers, your politicians, right. your agents. Yep. Your agents um, are there to keep you in line in the system to keep the system running. At that point in time, we are so tied into our own everyday lives, getting up, going to do a job and making our dollars so that we can go pay that bill and we can run on that stupid rat, rat race hamster wheel, right? 
We're all doing that. So we have so much keeping us going. Of course, it's all by design to um, really pay attention to what's going on in the world. But I had a superb event happen with me to wake me up. But if it hadn't been that I was in the middle of a very bad marriage, lots of stress, uh, nearing my separation and divorce, if it wasn't for that distraction, I might have paid a little more attention, as all of us would have at different levels for our different awakening events. Because that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, is oh, we're yeah. all awakening. Yeah. We're all awakening. So for me, I've been out on a job site. And, and this is in uh, 2001. And I had been out on a job site the day before. So the company I worked for was an uh, architectural firm and not a surveying firm, which was unusual because it was I was in between surveying firms or civil engineering firms. And I, I was, so I was at this architectural firm. And, you know, a lot of my folks ask me, you know, they see what I've built in some of my videos on my cabins and stuff. And, well, how, how, where do you learn all that? I said, well, you know, the schooled experts. Mm-hmm. I've been out. We didn't actually have a surveying co- a crew, so we had to rent the equipment. And I was in um, Lynchburg, Virginia, is where I grew up, and that's where my office was. And, and I had to deliver uh, the rented survey instruments back to the, the company that we rented it from, which was up in Charlottesville. On the morning of the 11th, uh, in that infamous day, uh, I was in the process of delivering the equipment back up to Charlottesville. So I had one of those wonderful periods of time that we used to call as surveyors, windshield time, which means you get to sit there and drive and get paid for it. Yes. <laughs> we loved windshield time. So <laughs> we, we could sit there and listen and listen to the radio and whatever. So I had left and gone up, and I think I'd just gotten to Charlottesville, dropped off the equipment, and I was on my way back when it happened, a little after nine or something, when, when, when the uh, first quote-unquote plane hit the building. Still up for discussion. There's a lot of discussion on whether it was a plane or not, a hologram, um, missile. You know, there's some different potential possibilities. Okay, that's you know, and we start getting it piped in through every news media network, radio channel, TV. Everything's pumping this out. It is blasted in front of all of us. What happened? So I had an hour to listen to this detail for detail, what was happening in New York City, and then what happened at the Pentagon, and all of that. Most people didn't get to experience what I did, and what was unique about my wake-up call that I totally ignored after the day it happened was I had a new piece of information that significantly countered the mainline story. Now, there's other people who sifted out all of these little details of that event. Uh, later on, and you know, oh, camera angles, and something's not right, and on oh, this, and that's not right, and you know, firemen hearing the explosions when the building fell, and you know, the the demolition of it, and you can go on and on and on. No visual witnesses of a plane hitting the Pentagon, and and the one guy who said, no, I saw a rocket. Well, you know, the the cab driver, the very taken off. I mean, all of these little details that were clues and indicators, we did not piece them together for a while. But I had a powerful one. This is kind of crazy. As I get back to the office, you got this big conference room where, you know, you bring clients in. Have You know, we, we didn't have flat screens back then. We had everything was the old CRTs, cathode ray tubes. 
So in 2001, we had this one big 24-inch, I want to say, uh, must have weighed 500 pounds, sitting up on one of the big heavy-duty metal uh, roll-around cart. And anyway, so the TV's on, and I've got a, you know, a bunch of the old fart engineers, you know, and they're, they're all sitting around the table just watching this thing. And one of the reasons was is the old structural engineer that worked there, funny old guy, his name was Arthur, and he um, sitting there watching this thing and I had not I had not known his background but the reason why he was paying so much interest was because he had studied under that Chinese guy who did the engineering of the building so he'd done tutelage under this guy you know I'm, you know one step off of the engineering on this building sitting here at my table and he'd learned all about this and those buildings were engineered and designed to take the largest plane they they knew those buildings were going to be up high and they built it so that they could take a direct impact and stand. Okay? Yamasaki. Is that was that his name? Yeah. At the point in time he was he was buying every 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 bit of what was going down with what was happening in that event. This is something that you've got to understand about engineers and why my life has turned and gone the way it is and the way engineers have to think. When they see something fail their brain goes into hyper overdrive as to why, what they want the data. They want the information because it's an engineer's ego is to build something that's going to last past two pyramids. We, we want to make stuff that stays. So he is, he is looking at this thing and he's, you know, he's analyzing it and you know how this damage could, I mean, this guy's math is going off in his head, like freaking automatic machine gun there. You can see him going on and all these details he's thinking through because of his knowledge of it. And then the first building fell. And when he saw that happening, because I was in, I was actually sitting in the room with him. He sat up straight in his chair. He looked right at the TV and he said, that's a demolition. Oh my. Before the damn thing hit the ground. Yeah. He looked right at it and said, that is a demolition. I did not know at that point in time the magnitude of his statement. Point is this. I had a hell of a wake-up call. And at that time, if I had been in a, any other situation and I had the ability to digest this information, you know, I would, I would probably, probably have been uh, one of the more leading people because, you know, there's the engineers and architects for 9-11 Truth. There's a, there's a group of yeah. them out there. Yeah. I eventually signed up on board with that group years down the line, which really didn't matter by then because it was already pretty substantial. But I learned then. And then, damn that hamster wheel, you know? It gets <laughs> in our way. You know, we have to go back to chugging away on it. And I go from one uh, company to another. Then I end up separating. It was really hard, which made it very difficult for me and my job. You got any issue? Uh, we don't want you here at the company because uh, we ain't got time for it. If you're not slaving on that hamster wheel and doing your job properly, we will find a replacement. Yeah. So I went through a couple of jobs during my divorce period. And finally, and you also have to understand that being a person of my type, I want to say a woman and uh, a woman coming out of a marriage that decides that I am not going into another conventional marriage and it'll be a same-sex marriage and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, You know, that, that kind of hurts their egos, the guys. At the time in the state of Virginia, there were only three, I think, 
if my memory serves, three or four women total. So I ended up going out to, uh, moving out to California and that's when my career took off because they said, we don't care, you know, whether you wear pants or a dress, if you can get the work done, get the work done. And because I was a worker way more so than a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, um, uh, uh, union people, yeah. uh, they knew how to, they, they, they knew how to milk a goat far better than I could. I mean, they, they, they could milk a job and yes. those are unions and they had gotten a hold of it. And I didn't, I didn't see it like that. So I have work, I'm a worker, so I got it done and they liked that. So I moved up through a couple of the companies that I had been with out there up to a lead project managing position. I mean, I accelerated because I was willing to do it and get it done. Oh, I, I even, I even, while well, I was there because of my background and because of the amount of projects that I worked on and because of a lot of things, I ended up being an instructor for the Northern California Surveyors Joint Apprenticeship Community. And I taught out there for about two, two and a half years before I ended up leaving. So, Along comes a distortion in the financial system, and I go from because of my um, experience, qualifications, and the things I did. You know, you know how your your resume is supposed to be a one sheeter. Now they don't really want to look very hard. If you can't catch somebody's attention with a few quick lines on on one page, well, then it's got to be one sheet, and maybe on the back. Well, my resume up at that point in time was a three-ring binder because I did a lot of my own drafting and the project management and companies that I'd worked with. When I would walk into an engineering firm, I'd bring that three-ring binder, and I would set that on the desk of the CEO, and he'd go through and open it up and start flipping through all the um, pages there. And he, you know, the common thing would be like, oh, and wow, you, you've done this, and Oh, I, I see you've, you've had some experience here and all, you know, all kinds of wonderful compliments. That's the way it was. And there were generally two questions that, that they would ask me. Well, Aaron, what do you want to do? And, uh, how much do you need? So I could, I could go into a company at that point in time and tell them, Oh, I, re- I really want to work on a survey crew this go around because I, I don't want to get out of the office or, you know what? I just I, I want to work on on putting together um, uh, engineering drawings. I could do anything I wanted to because of the experience I had, and I could damn near name my own wages. Yeah. Well, two thousand eight happened, and this is how ninety five percent of the people actually do wake up. And this was the final clue for me to get me off the hamster wheel. Was I went from doing that to the last company I worked for was up in Napa, uh, Napa County, California. And we had a good year. There were murmurs through August and September and October murmurs about, well, there were some issues in, in the mortgage industry. You know, I was actually working with a lender at looking to buy myself a place up there in Napa. The, you know, the mortgage guy was like, Oh yeah, we're, we're having some policy changes. And, you know, there, there was hints about something wasn't right. But you didn't think anything of it. In December, about two weeks before Christmas, the company that I had, I was working for, the guy took us out Friday night for a company dinner and with a big freaking smile on his face, handed out everybody their Christmas bonuses. I mean, it was one of the best ones I've ever seen. 
that was Friday night. We all had a good time, smiles, pat on our backs. It was wonderful. And Monday morning, I walk in, and he said, well, we really just didn't want to ruin your dinner, but here's your pink slip with a severance check. So Monday morning, we went from, oh, everything's wonderful. And this was December of 2007. And the next six months, I was sending resumes out to everyone that I could all across the country. I probably sent out two, three hundred, you know, because back then, you know, if you're going to file for unemployment, you got to show them that you're, um, you know, you're actually trying to find work and you got to give company names and numbers that you're contacting so that they can verify it if they actually do, you know, that kind of thing. Anybody who's had unemployment. Yeah. Have to go through that. So, but I was I was intent on you know going right back to work. The big wake up pill for most people is when it hits them in the wallet. Yes, that is the clue. When oh shit, I can't make my bill. You know, when you start getting into the place where you can't keep the machine going, and you start losing things, you're going oh hell, what the hell's going on? I did manage to go back to Virginia, get another job about, oh, it was about eight months later, seven, eight months later, July, I think it was, August, July or August, when I started up with a company in, back in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. The, the nice thing about it was, oh, well, um, well we have our, um, our, our pick of all of these guys that have been laid off. Uh, we need need somebody, but we don't, we don't really need to pay you because we can, we, can, we can bargain you down now. So I went from... 120,000 a year to 45,000 a year. Oh my God. But me being conservative, me being very good at budgeting my money, well, I made it work, you know? Yes. And in a year and a half from middle of 2008 to 2010, as the financial system was coming apart and we were seeing what was actually happening, uh, you know, banking issues and all of that, I watched a company that was. 18, 20 offices strong up and down the East Coast because they had grown. And, you know, one company bought out this company and then they bought out this and they become this big conglomerate. You know how it works. Oh, yeah. And I watched them one by one shutter the doors through 2009 up up into 2010. I watched them shutter their doors. And you got to give me some credit. Being the newbie on the block, managed to hang on to the last one. And, uh, you know, because there were guys in my office the one I went into was about 22, 24. And by the time they shut the doors, there was only four of us. And I was one of those four. So it was crazy. And then I couldn't. And then I couldn't get another job. And another six months in 2010, I put out resume after resume after resume after resume. Well, back to the beginning of the discussion when I was telling you, you know, as engineers, when something fails, we go in and say, okay, what, what broke? I am a person who, because of my teachings and my learning, doesn't look outwards and blame somebody else. Oh, it's the company's fault. Oh, it's this fault. Oh, it's so-and-so's fault. I'm always looking in and saying, what did I do wrong? Yeah. Most people don't do that. Yeah. That's, and so that's I was, an evolved I was, perspective. Mm-hmm. And I, I was very hard on myself. What did I do? Why, why couldn't I keep my job through all of this? In retrospect, I think I probably could have retained my position if I had been a li- hadn't been waking up because through those two years from 2008 through 2009 into 2010, I was starting my I was starting to learn the lie. I was really starting to see 
the problems that were going on, and I was exploring that. I was, I was, I was wanting to talk to about, you know, my coworkers. Say, hey, do you see this shit going on? And nobody wanted to hear that. And I, I think that might have been some influence. That's why I just didn't shut up and sit at my desk and and be the working robot. I'm, I might have kept me there a little bit longer. But then, you know, I would have had to have stayed asleep. Yeah. And when you can't get a job uh, and, and your pay keeps going down, and, and I knew a whole lot of licensed professional land surveyors that could have started up their companies that were in working at Home Depot in the lumber yard. Yes. Okay? Yes. When your system fundamentally changes, you've got to figure out what's going on. That's what I set out to do was to essentially re-engineer my world. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you, we are not all woke. You're not completely awake. I'm not completely awake. We are in the awakening process. Okay. So nobody learns one line says, Oh, I'm awake. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. It, it, well, you, you, you get that attitude from some people. Oh, I learned, uh, I learned nine 11 was an inside job. Okay. I'm all awake. I said, no, you're not awake because you don't understand what's going on in this arena. You don't understand what's going on in that arena. There's a whole lot more awakenings that you need to do. This is a process. Some of us got a lot further down the path than others, but at at no time should we get arrogant and go, oh, yeah, well, okay, I learned, you know, about the chemtrails. Okay, I I got it all figured out. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) There is so much more to our awakening that this is going to take our entire population generations, generations, to get a grip on the damage that was has been done for hundreds of years yes. to our population. In a nutshell, my awakening started out on, okay, well, our, our systems aren't exactly um, as strong as we think they are. You know, we cannot do it. That was the general realization that I got is that, well, guess what? Our grid systems and our power systems, our, our ecosystems, those things aren't uh, going to last forever. Uh, because there, you know, you're hearing other stories coming out during that time. Uh, you know, we'd known that there was ecological changes that were happening. We knew there were changes in in our our, our biospheres. We knew there was issues with the bees back then. That's why I've got bees now to be part of the active solution. We knew there were these issues, but you don't piece them together, and we get told the truth, but we brush it off as well. It doesn't mean anything. So our awakening process is something that takes place. Little by little, as we grow year after year and explore new things and manage to overcome our own belief systems and realize what was lies and what, what is closer to the truth than what we originally uh, believed or knew or thought we knew. So for me, it was been a journey, especially over the last 10 years of learning this myself as to what works, what doesn't work, what was a truth, what was a lie, and tying it all together. I started doing my videos in, in about late 2014, I think it was. The idea was this. Part of my story that I haven't shared was twice in my life due to the stresses of um, having to deal with the shit we deal with, put a gun in my mouth. I didn't want to be here. And I was, I came very, 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 very close to pulling the trigger. But both times I had what I, what is commonly referred to as a near death experience. Mm. And I believe that's a, a spiritual thing where, by which you in a conscious way, step one foot back over into the other side. 
you know, fully crossover, but people have described a lot of similar experiences like uh, walking into the light and being surrounded by light, communicating with other consciousness. So for me, it wasn't one big booming male, um, oh, it's just God up there. No, 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 no. It seemed like I was surrounded by uh, whispers from many other consciousnesses, other spirits, whether it's souls, entities, whatever label you want to put on them. So there was no male or female voices. There was no gender. It was just a bunch of whispers that were all kind of conveying a picture to me. And basically, I was told both times, uh, no, you can't. No, you can't. No, no, it is not your time. You cannot go. You're not, you cannot come back. The only thing that was clear to me was I was told, you have been given these gifts for one reason. You are to carry a certain amount of knowledge through this big event that's coming so that you have it to give to people on the other side. And that's why I started doing my YouTube videos. And it was kind of stupid, simple at first. Well, if this thing breaks, how do you do this? If this thing breaks, how do you do this? How do you have, have you know, your, your modern conveniences? You're not tied to a, a bill-generating matrix system. And I started doing that. Well, during that same period of time, you know, I'm also diving deep into the alternative media. And that's when I started educating myself on all the things that are going on around us. And that we can say that, I guess, for the next part, I know you want to talk about a lot of the woo. Yeah. Um, but that's when I started educating myself in all of that by seeing, you know, a lot of the information that's starting to come out and more awakening occurs. And for me on my channel, one of the things I wanted to do uh, to help as many people as I can is to uh, connect the dots. And I think that's also one of the reasons why my channel was taken down the way it was. And as opposed to just not having a YouTube violation and we put you in timeout and you see these guys, well, they get timeout and they come back and they eat their mouths and they don't do the same thing over again. I wouldn't do that. Um, one of the things I, my, one of my goals was to try and provide solutions. And I know we want to talk about that further on, yes. but to provide the solution so that, uh, okay, now once you learn all this crap about the, the deep woo and what's going on and oh, say Antarctica and what's going on in these deep underground military bases and what they're doing in the skies above us and what they're doing in our food and what, what's happening here. And all, when you learn all of these things, you know, a lot of these channels, they don't offer solutions. They just say, here's the problem. <laughs> now go figure it out. And been trying to connect the dots for people and go, okay, well, this is why you want to, you know, grow food in, uh, you know, in a, an enclosed environment. I mean, because if you want to eat, you know, good greens and lettuce and kale and stuff, because that's food, uh, you, you don't want the heavy metals falling on those leaves. So grow those kinds of things in your greenhouse. And I go on and on and on about all the different systems everything that we do and how we can re-engineer our own personal worlds so that together as a growing conscious, we can be stronger because being all tied to the same system makes us extremely weak yes. when you take that system down. And the only chance of us being strong is to be independently strong. So it is my benefit to get as many people, how should I say this? Not only physically doing things, we're, you know, growing their own gardens and stuff, but consciously having the confidence to tackle any task that can by themselves 
to be able to do things that they couldn't wrap their heads around. I've been developing a new statement that I've been saying with people, and that's come over kind of in the last couple of months. I've gotten to the point where I'm just telling people, look, it's, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. There are a whole lot of knowledge and skill sets and technologies and, and, and different things. And, and our education system dumbed our population down that everything is such a huge task. And we've been so compartmentalized in this world uh, where everybody sits in their own little damn cubicle and they only work on this widget. That's all they do. You know, they got the Ford assembly line mentality and everybody sits in their little cubicle and that's it. I'm just going to work on this widget. Yeah. And that's not what was originally expected or intended by, you know, uh, our founding fathers when they created or, or tried to create um, a system that would be far stronger than the tyrannical ones that have always existed. What they didn't realize is that you can't have the system at all if you are to ever really truly have the goal that they had. But, you know, Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, they were both surveyors. I read the hell out of their writings. Yeah. And they designed this public land system, you know, all across this country with the concept of everybody needs a certain amount so that they can be self-sufficient. They need so much acreage so that they can go out and raise the animals and do what they need to live and grow their own food. And, and Thomas Jefferson had these wonderful uh, garden sketches that he would do uh, about teaching all kinds of things from, you know, companion plantings with these herbs against these plants because uh, these put off an odor that keeps those bugs away from this plant and all that kind of knowledge. And, you know, I'm stumbling into a lot of this and, and, and um, only because I've read, you know, Thomas Jefferson do I understand the interconnectivity of all living life and how we need to embrace the fact that we are all one because it is our division that fails us. So that's been my kind of my goal and to do it and, and to try and do it in a way so that people, you know, as I am now saying, it's not that hard that people can go, okay, I can, I can accomplish that. Some people can only take a few steps. Some people do much better taking bigger steps. Uh, but in the end, it's the process that we're all going through is learning about what was done to usurp the natural freedom that is given to us by God and turn it into um, a, a place where parasites or parasitical mentality can feed off of those who do create. Yeah. You know, this has always come across and you've been very open about your skill sets, which show in every video. I think I've watched you now on three different homesteads. You may have said this along the line. I've taken in a lot of information over the years, but I pretty much followed every video of yours. They're always so packed. Had you had a history with gardening, not on the level you are now, but with gardening before you actually started to do that? Yeah, because that's a journey that continues. I'm still learning. I don't know it all. You're very astute with the, the biodynamic idea of companion gardening and all this. I do permaculture for food forests, but wild. And so it's, my gardens look very woodsy. And I've taken many tips from you over the years because it's impressive. You and T have gone to sell at the markets when you have bumper crop, you know, you were doing that. I don't know if mm-hmm. that, if that's what's going on now because of this whole situation. So when you decided to take the dive, 
and decide to get deeper into how much can I unhook myself from the system, which one of the basic things is growing your own food. Um, having your own water system, having your own electric system, your own power system. When I stopped surveying because I couldn't get a job, I said, well, I'm going to put myself into the next industry. I'll be leading in the next industry, you know, kind of thing. And I, I saw solar. So I went back up, I went up to Pennsylvania and there was a school up there and I took a um, NABSEP certified training uh, course there. It was two things. One, of I had learned throughout most of my career that when you work for somebody else, you can only advance but so far. Uh, and if you ever really want to make it anywhere, you have to become an entrepreneur. You need to create a at least a skill set, if not multiple, but a skill set that your community needs. And if you can do that, you can control your own life a whole lot better. I've been listening to a lot of um, financial guys, Robert Kiyosaki and you know, he talks about the four quadrants and, and whatnot and where your growth is. And so I was going, all right, I'll move on and make the next phase of my career um, bigger and better. And I'll become my own solar installer. And that way I know I'm, you know, at least helping people become independent with their solar. And, and in, in, in two years of running a company like that, I found real quick just how screwed up this financial system is and whatnot with the corruption within the, the big corporations, within the cities for businesses and licensure. Oh, I mean, I got so sick to my stomach running a business. Every one of these things that I've started to learn about sickened me at how badly it screws people over. That's the thing that has pushed me and pushed me and pushed me is just how corrupt. And the more you learn about the corruption, the more, the more people are hurt. It's the driving force. The more you know about, about it, the more determined you become to get out of the matrix. And it's, it's not easy by any means. Well, you've been ahead of the curve for the better part of five years with all of this, about everything you've called forward you're like clockwork. And this is, I think, the engineer in you. You are able to get your finger on the pulse and get ahead of the curve. And this is what moved you through. Now this is your third homestead, correct? Yeah, I was in Montana and I was I attempted to, to, bring, to work within two other communities. Because here's the thing, uh, not to go too deep into it now, we can do it when we talk about a lot more of the solutions, but the, the, the idea is we need each other. And you're not going to survive these changes very easily. Uh, your percentage is extremely low if you're a loner or if you just, you know, you know you're going to go out and be in a cabin by yourself because you cannot stay awake 24-7, 365. Yeah, you can't. You, you you need to be able to get rest. You can't do this all by yourself. We need each other, and that's the problem with the way the elite have divided us on every stupid little issue and topic that they can. You know, everything's dual paradigm. You got the blacks and the whites, the Republicans and the Democrats. You got the the Chiefs and the Redskins and the Cowboys. You got all these different teams. Which side are you on? Are you on this side? Or are you on the right side? There there are no sides. So that is a fundamental concept that has been pushing me to where I'm at. Now, the first two, I was trying to go into community. I just want to, you know, I want to thank God, universe, for 
uh, I guess finally uh, giving back to me substantially enough that I could start creating one myself uh, so that this is the, this is the one I've been building from the ground up is where I'm at now uh, because it's finally uh, I've managed to navigate through the matrix to get this thing out of the matrix. Yeah. And it, it, it's a very and it's a weird way of explaining it, but to have as much freedom as possible, you have to have the level of control. And it's not easy because everybody is programmed about protecting their own small cubicle. Mm-hmm. And instead of looking at how we work together. And so I've been trying to do some things here. Some just aren't capable of comprehending it. Now there's a few that are, 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 are going to, are working on trying to pull this together. But you know, the first place I went to in, in Montana, so it was a Mormon community. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh, wow, well, these people got it figured out, right? They're, they're, they're preppers beyond preppers. And because they put everything up, they've got that kind of mentality. And, but they have their own issues in different ways. The, the Mormon community that I, um, uh, saw up there in Montana, they were polygamous. As long as they felt you weren't a threat, they didn't, they didn't hide it. Of the, I'm of the nature, you know, whatever makes you happy. As long as you do no harm, why should I judge you? You know, so I didn't bother me. If you can accept me, you know, if, if you could accept me in the, um, in, in your community, uh, with me having, um, a same sex partner, then I'm not going to bitch about you wanting more than one wife. It's just the, the ladies can handle it and they're, they're good with it and you're good with it. But then again, the issue was not accepting each other on those levels. The issue was accepting each other on, uh, fundamental rights and, and well, I own the property. That means I get to be king of this property and you do all the work. And, and, uh, one of the things that, one of the things T and I found out real quick was, uh, well, guess what? Uh, there's all these chores out here that are needing to be done on the property, but because you're our tenant, guess what? It's all on your shoulders. You, Aaron, go fix it. Aaron, this boat, go fix it. Aaron, you're an engineer, you know, but go fix it. And I find that um, there was a whole lot of hypocrisy in that. Yeah. When that came apart, there was another uh, community that says, well, we really loved what you did up there, so come do it over here. And I'm like, okay, can we all work together? Oh, yeah, we all, we'll work together. We'll work together. And I get there, and we don't work together. Yeah. So, Naisha, I know uh, you probably heard me say this in my videos you ain't making it through this without working. <laughs> Absolutely. And I so agree. You have to do the the work is a full holistic thing from the inside out. But the you, people forget that the physical part is completely a big deal. It's major. You have to pull up to the physical work of creating your world and blossoming into your world. You cannot just sit back and expect it to manifest. That's a part of us being creators. And that's, that's what the system uh, does not want you to realize or, or, or understand is that, that you are the creator. Yes. I'm the creator. Yes. We are the creators. It's not just God. God. God's not the creator. He did it all in seven days and we all get to sit on our ass and collect a check. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> We are the creators and we must get off our asses and go create something. Now I'm of the belief that everyone, regardless of their physical condition and most mental issues 
can still find a place in the puzzle. Yeah. I think we're all here to do that. Yeah. But then that's another issue that we can get into at some point if you want to, but, um, attitude, it's about attitude because, you know, right now what stops 90% of the people from doing anything is they got this attitude and that's our educational system, our political system that has engineered that they have created probably one of the laziest populations that have ever existed on this planet. Yeah. Having been born in the Midwest, I took this for granted when I was there and my mama who's been gone a long time, she's been dead, I think 20 years now. Uh, But she said, wherever you go in the world, you're going to be fine because you you grew up here, and I never understood what that meant until I, I've been all over. And it was, it became very apparent to me in lots of different places how utterly lazy people are. I was just brought up with, if I wanted something, I had to create it. I had to do some work to get, either save money to get it or to learn the skill set to create it. I had to do the work myself. And a lot of Midwesterners understand this. This is the land of farmer, you know, real big time farming and all that. For all that can be said about big agriculture that's not good, there is that aspect of you have to get up at the crack of dawn to get those cows milked, to get those goats milked, to uh, get on, you don't water midday and, you know, all this stuff. And if you don't do it, it's not getting done. And then I move into different areas. Uh, and you need a commu- and you need a community for that. You need a lot of people yes. to share that load. Well, that are willing to do the work too. So not just begrudgingly. That's a, yeah. And this yeah. is what you were talking about earlier with mind space here. Yeah. This is a big deal. Now I have a different opinion, but I've been very frustrated in the world that was before what we have today with that, the mentality. So in other places where people were getting paid uh, to do work to, you know, it was always like TGIF, thank God it's Friday. And then, you, mm-hmm. you know, just they show up, check the card, do the bare minimum, and then just wait for the weekend. And that whole the hamster wheel, as you call it. And so, but it would always drive me crazy because I, everywhere I worked, I was always the one that was project oriented and get things done. And it was an important messaging for my own growth, but also for the the growth of whatever projects I was part of. This needs to get done and I don't see it getting done. And the person in charge of doing whatever this is, you know, X is bare minimum lazy about it and then bad attitude about it and so I would just because of my upbringing fill in that gap and do it it's like walking into the kitchen and you see dirty dishes but you're going into the kitchen well you just take dishes in with you it just becomes a way of being you don't think about it I don't think picking up after yourself picking up after your well, and then others too. It's, you know, you walk into the kitchen yeah. and there are dirty dishes and you're going in there. Well, you just, you take them, you take them in. And this mentality of, well, that's not my dish. I didn't dirty that. That drives me crazy, Aaron. Where's that from? It's always driven me crazy. If you're going that direction anyway, you have a free hand and there's a dirty dish 
and it, your issue is that it wasn't your dirty dish and to throw a projection onto the person who should have, yes, that person should have. However, that doesn't negate the fact that there's a dirty dish here. You're going in that direction with the free hand. This is math, right? <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, <laughs> and so this has deepened with some people I've noticed in, in the outer realms of the matrix, the bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's engineer. That's part of the system engineering its own self destruction. You know, it's you know, for me, the word the word is stewardship. You know, we have our responsibilities. We have our responsibilities that are given to us by our own physical existence in this physical world, and that is to take care of our own stuff. Uh, And that you know that comes from the root of do no harm which means, you know, leaving dirty dishes around is doing harm. You're, you're trashing your place up. It's like, you know, I, one of the things that people love to say, you know, talk to me about in my comments on my homestead videos, they, oh, Aaron, your, your homestead is so beautiful. Well, that's because if, if I drop something, I pick it up. There's not a, a screw or a nail that's left on the ground from me building this thing. There's not a, a wrapper, a, a, a band strap, a, 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 a a, a brokenness or there, there's no garbage. And I've, you know, I even got this pretty much set up that, uh, my impact on my dirt, since I own this and I am steward of my dirt, yeah, my impact on this dirt is only beneficial. And I made the statement early on in my videos. I said, when I come in here, I'm going to diversify the life here a hundredfold. I, there will be, that many more life forms and organisms that will live here than did when I got here. And that's the truth. Now, not all of it's pleasant, mind you, because I got insects eating my <laughs> vegetables because I refused to use um, yeah. uh, you know, pesticides. Yeah. But, you know, it's, the, the point is this. Um, there is an abundance of life here. Uh, I've got uh, some very beautiful things that have come into this section of the woods that would not have been here. They weren't here the first year. They yeah. weren't. There, there's certain birds, certain insects that were not here because the food on the ecosystem wasn't able to support it. But bringing in my vegetables, um, clearing out some land, having some grasses, having some native flowers, having the fruit trees, having the animals that I've got, all the different things that I've got going on here has attracted a whole lot more life. And we're the stewards for it. So if you drop it, pick it up. Yeah. And that's the problem is because as a country or as a uh, population of people across this entire globe, we've gotten, you know, we've gotten the uh, mentality of, you know, you're done with your cigarette butt, just throw it on the ground. Yeah. You're done with that beer bottle, throw it off into the bushes, uh. you know, uh, and we've trashed our planet. And because of it, our entire ecosystem is unhealthy. And that's another aspect of, you know, while what I'm trying to share is our health is a direct result of everything that we put in it. You know, God made the perfect machine. Your body is designed to work and fix and and handle itself healthily uh, for what has been written in many books uh, for much longer periods of time than what we do exist. Yeah. I do believe it's the the elite who have shortened that because the longer you live, the more you learn, the more wise you become, 
And they don't want you living beyond the point where you're physically and mentally capable of really figuring things out. And I think they probably would have kept their control and everything if it hadn't been for the internet. Yeah. If they hadn't let that slip in and the information really get, get around, I don't think we would be where we're at right now. We'd still be in, in, in a very strong controlling matrix that isn't crumbling, but it's crumbling now because of knowledge and wisdom. So stewardship is something that we have to get much, much better at because we've made ourselves sick and the planet sick and our entire life system is sick. And that's what's happening is in your body. If you get all the proper building blocks, you are the perfect machine. But yeah. if you throw in cheap oil into a high performance engine, it's not going to run as well. It's not going to run as long because it's not going to do the proper lubrication job. If you um, throw in alcohol mixture into your gasoline, it's not going to run as well. If you put sand or sugar down the carburetor, well, you're going to kill that engine quick. Well, that's what we do to our bodies. And then until we wake up and realize that we are our own self-destruction and we need to start taking care of our bodies like the gods and goddesses that we are. Yes. I'm not, not the big God, but we are parts and pieces of that God because we are all one. Yeah. And we got to take We got to take that responsibility. And it's all, it, this is a really hard conversation for those who are hardcore Christians uh, or, or, or people who, who read the Bible because of, uh, they don't want to accept it. You know, it's, everything is on that other power. It's, it's all God. It's not my responsibility. It's all God. There's a lot of programming in the way the Bible was written to keep you in servitude. And as, as much as I believe in God and Jesus, because I've read the Bible, um, there are a lot of conflicts. And, and Christians who haven't even read the Bible will tell, tell you, oh, no. <laughs> there is all oh, it's written perfect. There's nothing wrong. Right. So explain the Council of Nicaea. Explain to me why the Book of Mary was taken out. Yes. Oh well, she was just she was just a slut. No, <laughs> she was Jesus's wife. Yeah. They had children. There's offspring. What do you think the uh, the Holy Grail? What do you think that is? That's the bloodline of Jesus. Yeah. Well, what do you mean bloodline? <laughs> they tell us. They tell us everything. <laughs> And people don't want to see that. And if you can't change your belief system, then you're not changeable, which means you're going to go right over that bell curve and right out the back door, and you're not going to stay on the front leading wave of growth and evolution. And it doesn't mean that, oh, then they're, oh, we're going to discount Jesus. No, no, Jesus is one of, the, one of the most insightful individuals that have walked our planet. He got it. Yeah. You know? Ah, we could go down so many different roads. To ruminate on that for a minute, I do think that's an important place to look at, an idea to look at, and a narrative to understand and take in in its fullness, the idea of Jesus in his physical experience as was recorded in Book of Thomas and the Gospel of Mary and all these apocryphal books that were cast out of the canon at one point. Mm -hmm. And it ties right into all of this. You know, the idea of efficiency in movement, it's not just about getting the dishes to the sink. If you're going there and there are dirty dishes, this is a bigger picture. And so uh -huh. people coming to the table thinking we're talking about moving a plate to the sink 
you know, that it's just that physical idea of it and participation in your own experience are losing something because we're talking on a very large scale here that also comes down to the micro, which is the plate. The plate is just, you know, in the matrix too, there's so many great analogies around that where, you know, the spoon's there, but it's not there. The plate's there, but it's not there. And so one has to wrap their mind around both of those ideas to actually understand the fullness of the idea. Yeah, and that you know, there's a whole different topic: <laughs> quantum well, physics. It ties Without, in, you know, It does tie into. Yeah. Oh, it does. Before we finish the discussion on the awakening aspect, is what we've been talking about. I want to leave leave all those um, who managed to hang on this long. A very critical, very very critical aspect of awakening that I want all people to spend some time on some research. And that is understanding the, the construction, the construct of our matrix. All right. So con to fool and structure uh, what we live in, the construct of our, I'm, I'm speaking in a specific way yes. to make points. And that is our legal system, the, the man laws that were created around us, how it's set up, how the constitution was made, what it was supposed to do how it was supposed to do it, what the different articles in the Constitution were about, and and all the laws that have been written and aren't written but are assumed in the things that are uh, done, said, and programmed into the masses to create their belief belief system. Yes. Not the knowing of what's actually there, but the belief systems, because everybody li- lives and breathes on their belief systems, and 97 98% of it's wrong. And one of the things that I went through in my learning experience was a big wake up last year. I'm, I'm guessing you probably saw the dealings I had with the first time I'd ever gotten pulled over yes. and dealing with a cop. And that was the most horrific experience. And what I went and found out was just how the system games you and that it is about the extraction of your labor. Because what, what do you have? What, is, what do we have? What is the one thing that we have that actually has value? Our creation. What is our creation commonly referred to? Our labor. Our ability to physically do and make things. Mm -hmm. So everything else is stuff that already exists. Everything that is on this planet was on this planet and it will be on this planet regardless of the form and the shapes that we create, make, and change. Nothing is different other than what we create and change. It is our creation that makes houses, that makes cinder blocks, sheets of plywood, solar panels. I'm just looking around me, you know, the things that we create. And what is it that you can feel somebody else's creation or the uh, ability to create? That is the value. It's like gold and silver. What really gives it its value is, is it's the storing of the energy that went into the making of it. Aside from its some um, other, um, you know, with silver, all its, you know, 10,000 uses of what it can do in relationship to um, um, antimicrobial, conductivity, yeah. reflective, yeah. Set, that, set that all aside. What, that was the purpose of it was to store and hold our labor. And that's what the elite take is our labor. Now, 
how do they do it? They do it through the matrix of the legal psychological system that they created around us. And I would encourage everybody to start to learn etymology. Yes. Because it is our language that has been usurped, given different meanings so that uh, we don't even know what the hell we're saying. (laughs) Words are sounds. Words have vibration. We are all vibratory beings. And that means something. And our energy reacts to other energies. And if we don't know what we're saying, then how do we know what we're creating or destroying? Mm. So etymology, the real meaning of words, stand under the knowledge of what things really mean and not what we were told. The fun one, Nish, is this, the word government. And that's one of my favorite ones. What is government? Well, most people would define government, oh, is that a group of people over there in that building that run everything? Right? <laughs> government. Oh, that's the, you know, the politicians. And, and that's government, right? It's, no, 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 no. Because all you've got to do is break it down just one step. And then you, you, you clue off that little light bulb and people said, what is govern? Well, govern is to control. Well, you know, if, you, if you got a vehicle, you know, your, 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 your commercial truck and you don't want your drivers driving that truck faster than 55, you put a governor in it to control it. So the governor's of states are controlling the people. Okay. They don't control the stuff. They control people. Yes. Mint. What is mint? Well, that's a mental thing, right? It's (laughs) it's your mind. So what are they doing? It's, It's mind control. They're controlling mind. So you get into these, um, understandings of knowledge and a good way to do down and read Black's Law Dictionary. And you can start to learn things like, oh, well, Article 1 of the Constitution says the government has only one thing that they can regulate, and that's commerce, interstate commerce, interstate commerce. Okay? And uh, how do they do that? You know, by regulation. Well, why have they turned everything that you do from the time you get out of bed to fart, farting at your partner before you go to bed? You know, everything that you do is is turned into a business. Fishing is a business. You know, driving is a business. So in the 50s, you know, truck drivers were drivers because they were conducting commerce, which is regulatory because they went across state lines. So now, you know, when I got pulled over, well, you're driving. I said, no, I'm not. I'm traveling. No, you're driving. And see, the, you know, the blue-suited road pirates, they, um, <laughs> they're programmed to do one thing and that's extract wealth from you through very manipulative ways and it's trapping you legally using these words. But you don't know that the definition of driver means somebody who's conducting commerce. So you get pulled off over a year. You've been put into this matrix, created this matrix so that you have a driver's license, right? Cause you just might conduct business <laughs> while you're behind that, you know, the, the, the control features of your car. So driving, operating a vehicle, a vehicle is a legal term. So when, you know, what you should be doing is if you get pulled over for speeding is say, well, first off officer, according to, and you should know your laws, 
if you're going to navigate within the matrix, because everybody's navigating within the matrix, if you're going to know that, you should say, okay, well, according to our state, um, state code uh, subsection uh, 31-5 says, 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 uh, says this. And most states say this, and I'm going to paraphrase because I can't speak for all of them, that speeding is a charge, charge taking money from you. It's a charge. They're taking money from you only if you create, commit a crime, which means you have to hit somebody while driving. So you legally cannot be charged with speeding to take money from you. That's all of it. It's a wealth extraction. It's all about getting your money. You can't be charged if that, if you have no, have not committed a crime. So when a, when an officer pulls you over for speeding and you tell him, well, first off, I was not driving. Uh, I am not engaged in commerce. And uh, the next question, officer, is um, who's the injured party? Because they don't care. They play on your stupidity. They play on your ignorance. And they game you in a court. Oh, what? wait, 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 wait. There's another word. A court. What is a court? A, a court is a place that you go to play. You know, basketball court, hockey, uh, field, uh, field courts, and, and tennis courts. It's all about the game. Yeah. And they know this and they know it and they're corrupt and they're part of the parasitical side of our human existence. And it's the way we have been programmed and gained and etymology learn what the hell you're saying because you get what you speak about. Yes. And that's in lead into the law of attraction. We don't want to go down that <laughs> yet. I don't think. There is something that's very interesting and has been very interesting to me for a while. Uh, and, and I've talked with Jordan Maxwell about this, is how not only the language has been usurped from us, how we've been bound up by it, the spell of it. Yep. Uh, yep. Then there's all this new slang, bad means good, you know, this inversion that's gone yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Now and then, all the new slang that happens is actually a, a side language that is almost beyond inversion. Yeah, it's it's, deg it's degradation of your power. Yes, it makes you powerless. Again, uh, not the, I don't want to get too deep into the law of attraction because. It is, well, maybe, maybe we, we dip our toe in it here just a little bit. If you understand and comprehend that everything is energy, that it is not matter, there, there truly isn't anything solid. There is combinations of frequencies and vibrations that there, that that's all everything is, is energy. Then it's real. Well, it, it takes a while to develop a comprehension. It takes a long time to develop a comprehension, but it's real easy to get a point and across one thing. And that is the law of attraction states this, that which is like unto itself is drawn. That which is like unto itself is drawn. In other words, like attracts like. And there's something else that's been usurped because we've been told, oh, no, opposites attract, right? Right. No, 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 no. Like attracts like, and it, and it takes a whole lot of walking you through how things work for you to really kind of see that because you got so much programming that tells you, Oh no, no, it's the other way. It's the other way. You have to overcome your belief system into, in order to wrap your head around it. And now, so if everything is energy, 
here's the special thing that people, most people have, have, have never grasped. There's only a handful of people on the face of this planet that really grasp this. And I'm going to say my, my, my grasping, my comprehension of it has grown significantly. But, you know, uh, as I like to say, I'm, I'm Jedi. I'm Master Jedi in many areas. Yes. <laughs> but I am, I am not Supreme Master Jedi because I still am learning about how this damn thing works. And the point is this. Because we are special, we have a consciousness. We have a, a soul. We have an energetic existence that goes beyond the physical there is something known as free will and that's what sets everything off as different and because of that we have the ability to choose our thoughts yes. okay now, let me break it down into a way because i know there's a lot of people going to be hearing this and we go, what the hell <laughs> so here's here's the thing you and i are a culmination of every bit of input that we're like a computer that has had every level of programming since the day that we were created. Okay. So every thought, every experience goes into that neural net. That's your big gray matter up there in the skull, right? Yes. That's what our consciousness works off of while we're in the physical realm. Okay. Now, everything is energy. Everything is thought. And you're going, well, that doesn't make sense. But it takes you a long time to really wrap your head around. It takes you a while to really kind of grasp this, that everything that gets created is out of thought. The initial creation of our planet was out of thought. What is thought? Thought is energy. Energy is uh, expressed in many different, I mean, the rock that's sitting here in the dirt in front of me, it's thought. It was a simple thought. It was a very simple, simple thought. But let's go a little bit further. Uh, thought is in the genetics of a plant. Thought is what causes that tree to reach for the sky, to get more sunlight, to attract more energy. In order to grow, it needs more energy. because it is So it's converting light energy and other energies into different matter. It's a converting thought. Okay. Here's the special thing about us that we have above and beyond a lot of the other kinds of living thought that exists out there. We have ability to more drastically choose our thoughts. Okay, so this oak tree here that's existed, this, the, the genetics in it that has existed for know, however many millions of years it's been here. It changes its thought little by little every year as the uh, conditions change every year. And then this is what, see, you got to tie this into how you do anything. So this is why I say you save seed out of your garden on how it grew this year, because that seed in that tomato plant is going to be programmed slightly different than the seed that you bought that was growing up in Massachusetts and some seed saver up there, put it in a bag. It's in a totally different environment. It comes down here. See, when you start tying this picture together and you start seeing how things work and interact and, you know, and, and change, then you can start to understand, stand under the knowledge of how things work around you. So you have something more special than this plant. This plant right here is a much, much slower thinker than you are, mm. but everything is thought. And here's the power. We have the power because of our consciousnesses to, become extremely selective 
in our thought. Now let's take it one last, uh, one more step further because this is so fat. This is what really blows my mind beyond anything is, is the powers that we do have. Yeah. The absolute incredible powers that we've read about what humans have created and done in the past. And we go, Oh no, that was fiction. That was, that was, you know, that that's a story that we couldn't do that. And I'm going, no, wait a second. You know, could people, could uh, humans and people have picked up a hundred ton blocks and levitated them into a uh, construction project like the pyramids just using their minds? I don't know. They tell you that it's possible in the movies, yeah. you know, Star Wars. But so here's the thing. You have the ability to select vibratory thought. And when you think a thought and you choose a thought that isn't programmed, that you can create in your own mind, you immediately transmit that frequency across space and time. So your mind is a transmitter and receiver of thought. This is spectacular. And all of you, all of the people, I'm telling, I'm talking to everyone. You all know this for a fact, but you, you, you will not accept that is possible within you because we have seen example after example throughout our lives of how this works. Give you an example real quick here. You remember back in high school, y'all be over at your friends partying up, you know, got them, one of uh, uh, John's buddy over there. His parents went ahead and bought everybody some beer. He knew we were going to, you know, so we're all sitting around Sarah's <laughs> house and, 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 and everybody's coming over for the party. And, and then Steven and Jessica had a fight, right? And they're breaking up and they're both upset. And all of a sudden through the front door comes um, Jessica and she just comes in and all of a sudden the entire mood in the whole house shifts. Not everybody sees her come through the door because of the music's playing so loud and everybody's mildly or somewhat intoxicated from drinking. But the energy that comes off of Jessica when she comes in that room makes everybody's hair stand up on the back of their neck. Yes. That is because you have just received the frequencies in your receiver, in your, in your body, in your mind. You feel that energy when she comes in. It's the same reason why uh, mom sitting in there, her, her, her little um, apartments doing the dishes all of a sudden has this overwhelming feeling come over her when her child just got into an accident and she knows that phone is ringing in two, one she reaches up and grabs it. She knows. Yes. She already knows. But we don't acknowledge that we have this power to be in connection with each other and the ability to be in control of our creations. So much so, personally, I've witnessed somebody move something with their mind, just like the Jedi's do. Yeah. I've seen it happen, but I didn't have the development of it over time. And I'm so focused on so many other skill sets that I don't, you know, I don't, I don't develop it, you know, but did, did we as humans start this a thousand generations ago where we were focusing our, 
a, a creative ability to do things like that, to be in harmony with that, which is around us so that it, as they say in the matrix, it's not that the spoon is there or not. You're asking for, you, you don't tell it you're asking it. You know, all these little things that we get for clues for, uh, what reality is versus what we've been told. So you are a creator of your own reality and you can make things happen around you in ways that right now would blow your mind because you, you don't know this. This is where the terms witchcraft came from, you know, because that's not supposed to happen. You're, you know, you're not supposed to interact with your, your world around you at that level. Mm-hmm. You're just an animal. Mm-hmm. You've been told that you're, you're, you're nothing more than an, an involved ape. You know, <laughs> I don't believe that as much as I believe, uh, you know, I don't believe that any more than I believe the, um, of, of creationism, the way the Bible describes it. Yeah. See, I don't think we know. I don't think any of us truly know the reality of where humanity came from. I've heard some very fascinating stories. Yes. But I wasn't there. And all I got is somebody else's opinion. Yes. And, and whose do you believe? Ah, that's hard to say. <laughs> I want to see the proof because I'm an engineer and I want to see, I want to see the facts. And I won't discount somebody's belief system because I can't prove it one way or the other. But what I can do is say, well, you say this and you say that. Uh, how's it working out for you? Because <laughs> in the end, in the end, it's about the success or failure because it either works or it doesn't. And if it doesn't work, but you're going to stand there on ceremony and say, no, this is the way it is and it works and this is the way it is and it works. I'm going, okay, no, it doesn't. The building didn't stand. It fell down. <laughs> and if you're telling me, you know, that those, those two towers and especially World Trade Center 7 yeah. came down because of one little office fire, something just doesn't add up. <laughs> and if I can tell you that I have had psychic communications with other human beings across time and space, that there is no modern day explanation of how information traveled from me to another person and back at levels that were so detailed uh, that, you know, I've done things. I've experienced things that are beyond what modern day science, I'm not saying math, I'm saying science because science is a tweet thing. What modern day informational science is that we are not what, what they want us to think we are. We are something far different from that. And they know this, they being the um, psychopathic, parasitical, and I could use some more descriptive words like uh, pedophile, (laughs) pedivore, that kind of, I I could use those terms. Um, Elite, the the ones that that are um, truly not right in the head. Step down into the woo a little bit. There's a, a lot of discussion as to uh, that's breaking out now as to, um, especially with the military admitting that they've got you know UFO vi- footage and stuff. Yes. Okay. Oh, it's, oh, it's been that down. Is significant. Uh, it can, it, that that's trickling out though. We know. Oh uh, no, because yeah. there there are those that are truly um, saying that not only does it say it in the Bible that there will be a alien invasion. It says it in so many words. It says that in revelation yes. for this period of time. Yes. 
that there will be an and and then you get the information out that um uh, you know, Roswell and what that was about. And you go, you know, you go, you start digging in and into the woo and the woo is what is reality. Yes. And people don't want to accept that yet. And that's, that's the hard part because that really disrupts most belief systems. It, it really fucks it up hard and people can't handle having their belief systems turned upside down on them. They don't have the, the constitution to handle it because we've been weakened. We have been so weakened as a, as a species as, as, as people, we've been divided. We've been conquered. We've been dumbed down. We've been turned into slaves. Yes. And yes. We, we don't have this stomach to handle the reality that's actually out there. That's been completely by design. I wanted to present uh, the words over Lord to you. And get your take on that, because that's where we are. This is what we're talking about. Overlords. Yeah. Language, etymology. Just break it down into the two words that it is. Over. And that's why I have emphasized understand, to stand under the knowledge. When you know that there is something that is immutable, immutable, unchangeable. When you know that this is everything that you have learned has shown that this existence can only be this definition. Okay. I'm trying to be very broad in my terms. So over Lord is the psychopathic uh, belief that uh, we can reduce your godliness and by your submission to our system, you give up your godliness and we become the Lords over you. That's all about power. And that's, Sick end of end of things is I want to be over you and your Lord. Unfortunately, um, I think it is my knowing that the um, many religions have used those languages and those terms to um, undermine the sovereignty of the individuals and keep people in power to keep them believing that there is a difference between uh, one person and the other. And that's not the case. With overlords and governance, one of the things that also struck me, Aaron, was the idea of human resources. When I was in a corporate job, I started to become aware that I wasn't aware of that as a term until I got into the corporate. Yeah, yeah, you see that. That's what I say. The etymology, listen, when you start reevaluating the words and start actually thinking about it's a human resource. Yes. Which means we're sourcing our power from you. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and yet the magic of that is they come to you and act as if they are they're they're in charge yeah well that they're going to help you out human resources we're going to help you out with this we're going to help you out with this and it's all Uh all mechanisms of control that are part of this overlord governance in a corporate especially when we're talking about corporate paradigms that on the base level is the government first of all all these governments and then that has a deeper or higher, or both, meaning that uh, in etymology, 
that you've been breaking down is are we we're being fed upon definitely energetically but the, you know you know this idea of we're the farm right what's how does that tie into all this are we being eaten somehow besides energetically because when you start well, breaking well, this it, down it, to the core it, something seems very suspicious to me well yeah it, of course of course everything is energy now there's, there's different forms of energy and uh we're even finding that out when, when you start down the woo path of the the dues the directed energy weapons and and some of the things we're doing you know um when you start piecing together little elements of why they screw around uh, chemically, chemical chemical energies, you know, you put a chemical, it has its energy, and what does it do? How does it react with your body and those kinds of things? Uh, the elements that they have dispersed in the atmosphere, the um, uh, aluminum, barium, strontium that they sprayed, and oh, what do you find out later, which is really fascinating? Oh, those are the exact same ingredients and the exact same proportions that you put into sparklers yes you know fireworks <laughs> and 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 okay so we want to know why well why did the why did things burn the way they did in california where you know firefighters say that they had never in their lives seen anything burn the way that they did when they had the fires out there you know things like that it is energy yes everything is energy so everything is an energy attack the question is what is the vibratory nature i'm mm. very specific in my, my words here. What is the vibratory, what's the nature of the vibration and what is the intended result? That is the challenge to figure out what are they actually doing because they, they pretty well know they being the psychopathic deep state, deep underground military bases that have been re-engineering, back engineering all of this shit for, for generations now. Many generations. You think of the advancements of what Tesla did and why that information was absconded with uh, by our government so long ago is because they knew it gave it would give them power to manipulate things. And everything is about manipulating everything. That's what all the pharmaceuticals say. They, they, they come right out, the, you know, the pharmaceutical companies come right out and said, uh, why would we want to cure you <laughs> from a disease that we're creating because then we can't make any money off of you or money labor. We can't take your labor from you. Yes. Because once you're healthy and happy and you know how you're healthy and happy, you don't serve them very well. And that's what they want. They want you to serve them. It's another set of pairs there that overlords deep state that's above below. Uh Uh-huh. Crazy. Like I said, the awakening process is a very tough one because we, we each and every one of us think, well, because we have been compartmentalized, we'll go, oh, well, that's just that compartment, <laughs> that, that topic, <laughs> that one subject, and that we don't want to accept that, no, that's everything that we have been told is fundamentally wrong Yes, in so many ways. It's not easy. It is very, very hard. And I, I have all the sympathy for those who um, don't really want to wake up to it, don't, don't want to be a part of the awakening. Because the hardest part about it is that the more you know, the more responsibility you have. 
and we've been taught to not be responsible for our actions, somebody over there will take care of it for us. We'll call the plumber. He'll fix it. We'll call the electrician. They'll fix it. Um, you know, the police will fix this. You know, we worship them because they're in their you know blue suits and blue lights you know, where they bring water upon the land, distribute their maritime law. You know, how they, they all, they're in charge. They fix it. I don't have to do anything. Back to you know being in our conversation, it is, it is they have played on our laziness to burn doing as one of the biggest issues. And as we spiral with this, it was, and it generally is when people have time away from the hamster wheel. This is what always struck me so deeply is when you have time to get away from the constant grind for others, right? Uh, yeah. And and you see this through, like, retirement. They work you hard until you're 65, 70 now and all this, and then you get your little pension, and at this point you've got adreno drain from uh, overstress and all this, and the amount of time it takes to unwind, first of all, from the chatter, like even at the end of a day, the chatter of the day that has to happen in your head before you can get into a deeper state of being, of knowing, of awakening. This happens in the outer world as well. And this is part of where I think is the gene. And I say this, not I'm not pro this, but the genius in reconfiguring the Homo sapiens sapiens genetic code to die young really i mean because if you think even a hundred years is not very long if you're kept on the hamster wheel for 70 years and then you've been worn ragged and this is where the wisdom comes in the wisdom comes in when you have time to breathe and think and that is the danger and this so when 2008 rolled around and you came off of not by your doing, well, I, I suppose that could be that could be questioned in a larger way. Something in you deeper was going to derail you so that you did have this awakening. Uh, but when you come to having this extra time to all of a sudden question all of what you had been doing, now you become dangerous because you start Very, to see you, the cause. Yeah, you're dangerous, dangerous to them. Not necessarily dangerous to to you know all life, but dangerous to them to the because then you have it. Yeah, David, dangerous to them, and you are so nail on the head with that right there. Wham, boy, did you drive that one flush? <laughs> this is the silver lining, though, for those of us that were at the time may have not seen these pauses that would cause us time to breathe and process the world around us. At, at least, hopefully, in our younger, when we're when we're old enough and yet still young enough to be very um, productive in a way that you know, when you have half a life left at this, that's a big deal. And so, again, here we are, Aaron. So let, let me let me put it in these terms for your digestion. Thank you. I believe, I believe it is within our energetic DNA memory to be a moral loving 
being. I think the dysfunction that we have is the opposite. The cancer, for a better term, for lack of a better term, the cancer that's within our DNAs is the thinking of I can take advantage of this situation and I can cheat it, I can game it, I, you know, and it, everybody has a little bit of both. It's in, it's in all of us. Because it is with our natural existence to be moral in nature or to, to love and care in growth and creation as opposed to destruction, that is why people don't want to know. As you, you know, once you have that knowledge and you start thinking about it, that's when responsibility kicks in and that's what people don't want to face because, you know, you've heard me a, a thousand times, you have to self-reflect and that's thinking. Yes. You have to reflect upon yourself. What happens in the mind of a person, or I should say a man or woman, because person is fake, okay? I got to get back in the Even I can't keep track of my habits of, of language. In, in, in a man or a woman or a human being, I should say, when, when they are morally conscious because it is innate into their existence, and new data, new information comes in and contradicts a very comfortable lie. Well, I was very comfortable with that lie. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they have for a second to think about it and realize it is geared into us the responsibility to fix it. Because as creators, I believe that for anybody who follows the Jerry and Esther Hicks uh, law of attraction information, she, you know, um, Abraham, uh, through her, this states just that. Mm-hmm. That is our journey. Our journey is to come here into the physical realm, experience contrast, something that feels bad and something that feels good. Mm-hmm. And then to and then to develop and exercise our power of choice to make the right choices. That is the function of what we do energetically, spiritually here in this, in this physical world. If we come here and we find something that doesn't feel good, something that's broken, we want to fix it. We want to make things better. And when we have a society of people that have experienced uh, these lies and they have become comfortable with them, you know, because that's what they've lived in and they've experienced that lie. And all of a sudden they find out that the lie was a lie and the logic and facts are so overwhelming that it hurts because then for a split second, they have to do some self-reflection because this is the nature of how we work. We have to, but we have been numb to doing it. We have been programmed away from self-reflection but it kicks in because it's an automatic cycle that is built to in, within our DNA is to, is because it's a part of survival, right? Fuck around with those, those wild uh, wolves out there and you might be dinner. Okay. That didn't feel good. We, 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 you, 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 you see how basic that is. But the problem is the brain and the consciousness in that brain still knows that it has to fix it. And that is responsibility. And it is built within our DNA to be responsible to make sure those things. And it doesn't feel good because all of a sudden I was in a right place and now I'm in a wrong place. And none of us want to be wrong. It's hard for people to wake up. Bitterly hard. From where you stand, how does this idea of time 
where we go from one point to another, right? How does that work in this construct with all of this? So in the note, assuming people get to this point of understanding, it seems to me that there is a way to unlock this code. And I see it in the Jesus Christ story, in the Siddhartha Buddha story, on and on. I mean, Prometheus stealing the flame. This this narrative moves through a lot of different waters. Time is a very hard topic to discuss because the majority of people who, even those who are further along the awakening path as you and I, a little further down than, than the masses, in order to understand what time really is, you have to have a foundation of knowledge that most of us just don't have. Mm-hmm. So even, the, I mean, it's like, how do I teach you calculus if you haven't gotten through fraction? You know, I can't, I love um, some of the movies that have been put out, you know, the Star Wars and Star Trek movies, the Matrix movies, because they have done such a good job of laying so much information out right there in, in front of you, but we just don't know how to piece it together. And there's, um, I was, I was actually just rewatching those movies the um, last couple of days, trying to take a break, watching through Star Trek, Kirk and Spock and McCoy and over and oh man, that was such a fun series when it was back on TV. And the uh, what, third movie, the return home after They've had Spock regenerated, and they're going back home in, in the uh, the Klingon um, battle bird there, and, and they're flying back, and, and McCoy is just baffled because Spock had put his consciousness into McCoy to preserve it, and was fortunate, of course, the, the Genesis device reconstituted his body, and what a fortunate for that. On the way back, he's conversation. They're having this conversation, and, and McCoy looks at him and says, you know, tell me, you know, you've been to the other side. And, and, and Spock looks right at him and says, you know, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't want to mess up the quote, but he basically tells McCoy, he says, we can't have that discussion because we don't have a common frame of reference. Mm. He says, what, you mean I'll have to die to have this conversation? And Spock looked right at him and basically, yeah, <laughs> unless you're, unless you be dead. And that's why, you know, for all of our journeys and experiences, like attracts like. People who have had a near-death experience can go in and sit down next to somebody else and go, oh, yeah, I got it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I've experienced that. This is why people who haven't experienced anything can't wrap their heads around things because they don't have the experience to banter off of. I don't know who said it, but a, a traveled man is a wise man. Mm-hmm. You only learn by experiencing things, and that's part of the journey. That's what, another reason why they want us locked down. You know, right now is they they want to stop us from learning from communicating. That's that's why you got this Luciferian six 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 feet apart from each other. You know, um, cover your face so you can't read facial expressions. Yes. Um, you know, all of this is to uh, really wrench down on the control mechanisms of, of of the people. When you start, you know, doing videos about it, you know, then Google and YouTube wrench down on you and stop you from sharing that un- understanding. That knowledge. So a, a learned man is a traveled man. In other words, you've been around and seen things happen. And, and, and that's what I say. I've communicated with other human beings across vast distances instantly because I intended to, and I knew it was possible um, because I have explored it. And 
when you start talking about time, what you come to find out there is there is only the ever present now. Mm. There is only the ever present now. Time is a construct of the psychopath in their desire to control us. Because if they can put you on a clock, they can measure it and then measure out your labor. How much do you make per hour? Don't you love this? It's, I mean, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. I, as you were speaking there too, I'm reminded of the concept of the journeyman in learning. You almost like an apprentice. The old school ways of getting educated or becoming into something new that you weren't before. And the idea of the journeyman or journey person, however people need to hear it. And then when we break that down just into the idea of what we're speaking about right here, the journey is a very big deal. You, you This uh-huh. does not happen by just staying in the nest or by inertia. No, 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 no. You don't gain wisdom by using the male mentality of uh, get from point A to point B, you draw a line across the paper, it's so many feet distance, and boom, you're there. No, the journey is a winding path. It has twists and turns, bumps and sharp objects that cause flat tires, and that's where true wisdom comes from. The journey. We're here for the journey. It's not about, oh, okay, I'm just going to be a wise Jedi Knight and then and then go back to being, you know, a powerful spirit, go back into the conscious realm and into the ether and be a powerful spirit. No, you can't get there that way. There's, for me, always this concept that's within the journey, and I've been saying this a, a long time in my life, is I've always believed you have to do the work, right? You have to actually come up out of inertia, <laughs> and, uh-huh. and and push forward. And one of the blessings of stresses or strife in life to, to give you the energy. And then this idea has always hit me in my life, the idea of transience, of how in conjunction with time, how this is in the construct of the idea of time. And to me, time is a loop. If you take the string point to point and you you connect them, you connect the dots, you have a circle. And so the idea of transcending time and the point to point at a single point, zero point, right? And we can look at zero point through zero point propulsion, zero point energy, the soul point within the self. This is a bigger idea. And the fact that through the idea of transience, we are we are more than everything we think we are and nothing, uh-huh. nothing is what we think it is. You can't know it all until you've traveled through your growth. Yes. You can't experience everything because there's something else over there that you haven't gotten to yet. And there's something over there that you haven't experienced. This is a big difference between the comprehension of us being little gods and goddesses Mm. versus the whole, the whole living 
energy thing. And, I, and that's the whole universe because there is knowledge, wisdom that is scattered about that not all, all peace. It is, it is the sum of us all that make the whole. That makes sense. Absolutely. It's not, it's, it's not, it's not for, it, it will never be for a part to equal the whole. It can't, that's not mathematic. You know, we're talking math. It's not mathematically possible. Um, and that's the problem with the breakdown in certain psychological chemical um, DNAs of some people. And that is, Oh, I can be everything. And it, it goes within all, all, uh, all different spiritual paths that say that, uh, but nobody ever really acknowledges it in, in a full way or the majority, most people cannot acknowledge it in that way. And that's because they don't have the self-reflection to see that you, you can't be the whole if you're only a part. You can't rule everything if you're only a, a, a part of something. That is the improper ego that humans have. And a lot of that I see more dominantly in, in the male aspect of humanity uh, versus the female aspect of it is that I'm better than all of this. And that's that ego. The more traveled, the more wise, the more successful people in this physical realm are the most humblest and the ones that will tell you how much they don't know. Mm. It is the least traveled, least educated, least wise that love to tell you how much they do know. Mm -hmm. That's the wisdom. The more you realize it, you're only a part the more power you have because you're willing to let new information in. But when you already got every damn thing in this world figured out and you're so freaking smart, there's no growth there. There's, there's absolutely no growth. You're, you're, you're stagnant in your existence. When I encounter people such as this, increasingly they they look like especially the the people that are coming from say uh strictly materialist idea or realm and that get into really hardcore debunking and all this what i see this is just the artist in me what i see is usually someone wrapped up completely like uh ball of yarn or a ball of rubber bands in their own constricted narratives that have just piled on top of one and of another and another and another round of constrictive narratives until you can't see what's in the center. Yep. And and yeah, that's and, and how that was, I steer clear now these days. You know, some of these people are very dynamic, very charismatic with their know-all. And, you know, the dynamism and the charisma is very tricky, don't you think? I mean, it, it pulls in a lot of people. These are the soothsayers, your typical middleman between you and something actually and usually very powerful. That that is that is a, a characteristic of uh, the psychopathic nature. Yes, very much so. These people that are in these positions, the the Bernankes, the Trumps, the Clintons, the Gilbert. you know, 
the 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 the, 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 and the these people they're not stupid. No, they're not by no means stupid. They are very, very, very clever because they, they've they've learned how in order to get where they're at. Well, they've had to succeed at something. You know, they become successful at something. Uh, not all of them. The biggest issue I see is at the thirteen families, and then the pastors that are supposed to be over top of the thirteen families to get your pyramid going. You know, down. The the biggest problem I see though with them is they want to retain that power and they want it all inherited and you get extreme stupid amounts of power and wealth that get handed down from one family member to the next and you have the same issue as you have within the cycles of of freedom uh, which we're experiencing the tail end of it here in, in not only the United States but around the world but the generational cycle of freedom is the people who are having the wealth handed to them now generationally um, inherited don't know how to manage it uh, in such a way that it doesn't destroy itself. And they make very, very um, stupid decisions because they don't have the wisdom. They have the psychopathic nature because we're the families who are going to rule everything. Instead of the original mentality of, I really want to build something here. Um, I've got some really wonderful ideas of how to bring new um, technology of the, of the car and we're going we're gonna to figure out how to make it so that everybody can enjoy this car technology so we're, we don't have to walk everywhere. That kind of real wealth creation is the betterment of everybody. If you better everybody, that increases wealth. But we're at the tail end of that cycle. And unfortunately, the, the, the generations that came from the wealth generating wealth and did not bring along with them the mentality of being able to hold on to that wealth. And, you know, again, wealth, wealth is, is multiple things. Mostly it's wealth is, is knowledge. So uh, for all of those who are listening, I'm going to tell you right now, money in any form, currency, silver and gold, none of it is real wealth. Real wealth is what, what Nish and I have been talking about, and that is knowledge of how to create. That's wealth. Yes. Because if you have that, and I'll, I'll just set up a, a real quick little scenario for you. I'm take you. We'll take you back, and you know, maybe a couple hundred years, and we'll back up in some technology and things so that you know can explore the simplicity of what I'm talking about here. And that is this. Okay, let's say um, we go into town little A. And so you've got town A and 60 miles over there is town B. And I go into town A and I have, uh, you know, I've pulled some Tesla here. Man, I really got something figured out. I've come up with it. There's nobody in the world who's ever done this. And I've designed a way to power a wagon without a horse. And I can use a machine to do that. And I, I found substance in the ground over here that gives me its energy that it's a form of energy, and I know everything's energy, and I can use this energy that's stored energy and convert it into motion. That's what we're doing. We're talking about it. that's what everything that we've done in our discussions has been about. How do we convert our energy into motive energy? You said it. Yeah. So I've, I've invented this engine, right? I've invented the engine, okay? Yes. 
and I put it on a cart, and all of a sudden, brrr, I'm running around town A, getting work done, moving materials, and doing things, and all of a sudden, we, we create a group of us that can come together and, and create and manifest more of the same things. Now they call them companies, but we get, a, a, you know, corporations and stuff. But now we have a group of people, oh, we love this. We're all just going to come together and I'll work. And I, I'm really good at making wooden wheels. And, and this guy's over here, well, I'm really good at, you know, I'm a blacksmith. I'm really good at making things with metal. I'll make the cast iron cylinder and, and da, da, da. And all of a sudden, you know, got the, you got this whole town and we go through this whole cycle of building up and it's, everything's magnificent. But because I did not have the knowledge and wisdom of how to make everybody's life better in the long run. And I said, well, because I've made everybody's life better by building them cars, I'm going to take their wealth from them by putting them into servitude. And then I'm going to be overlord of these people. Well, that whole system gets to the point where eventually, and, and there's a, a really fun quote I love, if I'm not mistaken, Margaret Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher, they quoted that uh, democracy works real good until you run out of other people's money. <laughs> I throw that one into the mix here because at some point in time, I take a, because I had this beautiful idea, I take all the wealth out of it and I steal all their money and I collapse their system. And all the behavioral changes that you've seen over the generations happens in this little town eight. And eventually... Everybody becomes poor because I've taken all their money and they can't afford to eat because of taking their wealth away from them instead of enriching their lives um, and such, you know, that system collapses. Well, here's the thing. Everybody gets mad at me and they hang me for it, right? But Mr. Jones here who worked for me now has all that knowledge of how to build this engine and put it on a wagon and move that wagon around, right? Mm -hmm. Well, town A is destroyed because we went through this cycle that you're all witnessing. And he packs that idea in his head and he hikes over the hill 60 miles to town B. In town B, he says, look, I have this knowledge in my head of how to do this. Mr. Blacksmith over here in town B, if you'll uh, do this and this and make a cast and pour some molten metal in it and make this engine. And then, and, and, uh, Mr. Um, uh, Woods craftsman over here, you take and uh, make all these things and make a wood wheel and, and you, you build the wagons to handle this kind of, you know, and, and all of a sudden that knowledge is able to recreate it. It is the people who will create it once they have the knowledge. It is the people who manifest the creations that we have that give us the wealth. Question is, if Mr. Jones, who just left town A to go to town B, uh, does he have that psychopathic mentality that goes, okay, once I do this, I'm just going to extort the hell out of them. They're, they're going to think everything's great for a while, but in the end, they'll just serve to make my business, my business, uh, extremely profitable and I'll take all that wealth from them and I'll eventually work them into where I'm paying them less and I'm paying them less and I'm paying them less and then um, the whole thing goes around or or do you Mr. Jones or Mrs. Jones or whoever's listening to this chat go wait a second wait a second 
somewhere along the lines, we screwed something up. We stopped uh, benefiting everybody else to keep them lifted up in higher vibration and joy and happiness and getting something of value for their value because that's in the legal system. When you go back into that, it is, is about value for value exchange. You know, that's a whole four hour discussion on itself. <laughs> <laughs> but do, do, do we enrich everybody's lives so everybody becomes healthier and better? That is the wisdom that is the creation. Wisdom is what you know. Wealth is wisdom. And I'll leave it that little portion of our discussion with this one thing. Uh, early on when I was learning about business and I did a lot of um, extracurricular jobs in my career, you know, I, I did a lot of ML, um, multi-level marketing systems, you know, where, you know, kind of like um, Tupperware kind of, kind of thing and, and Avon and all of these multi-level marketing where you get one person as your downline and they get somebody and they get somebody. So you make a little portion off of all of them and those all collapse because they're pyramid schemes and Ponzi schemes. Yes. One of the things that I was taught and learned uh, early on was by somebody who was extremely successful with this. And I didn't comprehend it and understand the, full girth of what it meant until years down the road. And I got a, a chance to experience just how powerful this was because this will tie right back in to the law of attraction and your mind and the thoughts you think. But he says, um, he says, have you ever noticed you get these people uh, that I go out and they play the lottery and they'll men, win these mega $180 million winnings and, and almost every one of them that came from nothing and had this big bonus dropped into their world that basically would give their family line, if they managed it properly, uh, freedom in ways that can not, most people can't ever really realize. A huge amount of monetary power, right? I'm not going to say it's wealth. Wealth is what you know. Yes. He says, well, why does, it, why does the, the poor person stay poor? Why does a poor person stay poor? They, get, they can win all this money, and then all of a sudden, two years later, and we've seen the stories over and over, play on the headlines and, and on the TV shows, you know, Dateline, so-and-so won $180 million, but they're now sitting in the poorhouse. You know, you, you see those things. Why is it that that happened? And then you have, and, and our current president is a perfect example of the reverse of that, when you have these uh, millionaires that will, for some reason or another, uh, have something bad and have to file bankruptcy and they lose it all. Yeah. And then within a year or two, they're back up in business and they're millionaires again. Why do millionaires stay millionaires and poor people stay poor? It's because poor people think like poor people. Yes. Wealthy people think like wealthy people. Wealthy people is knowledge. Poor people are just trying to dance around and, and see what they can spend and what bills they have to do. Yes. When you listen to poor people talk, they're always talking about their debt. <laughs> they're not talking about what they can create. Now, set aside some of the psychopathic tendencies of people when they get a whole lot of monetary wealth, because what is it? Power corrupts. It does. Yes. Set aside that aspect of it. But what is a millionaire or a billionaire or 
somebody who's successful, what are they thinking? Well, how am I going to go build something and succeed at it? I'm not saying that, that their management of it isn't moral, you know, whether they decide to be tyrannical in the way they manage their companies and their businesses and they take and, and they, they pay their people less, but the mindset, what is that guy thinking about? He's thinking about what can I go make, create and, and build. Now, is it off the backs of people? Yeah, but that's because they, the people allow themselves to be slaves. Contracts. Yes. But their minds, are thinking those words of either either being wealthy and learning, well, let's create a better widget. What's made more millionaires in, in this country than anything is the fact that so many really smart people that have said, oh, well, here's a you know, really fancy um, drill, but it's got a cord and I can't reach it so far with that drill. Well, how would that be better if I could carry that drill around and I didn't have a cord? Oh, let's put a battery on it and we'll make it a cordless drill. And I'm telling you, this is like, it's my new statement that I'm going to, I'm going to love this one to the day I die. It's not that hard. (laughs) It's not that hard. If you, if you have, you unleash, if you unleash your own creativity in this world, all the pieces and parts are there to do and create it. If you can get a fun, then that's why, you know, people are so amazed that, that, that I can do electrical. I can do plumbing. I can do, you know, I built this little cabin so, so fast that I can do all these things. Oh, Aaron, you got so much that you can do. <laughs> and I was like, that's because I learned some basic fundamentals. And if you learn just a few basic fundamentals, now you have, here's another wonderful thing that, you know, you can take away from, this I'll give you this learning lesson that was given to me Aaron when you're learning something new learn the function of the ingredients of the recipe Mm. don't memorize the recipe Mm -hmm. learn the function of the ingredients what do you mean well you know we got recipe books and, and one of the best correlations that you can do to take ego out of everything that you're doing because everybody, I can't do that or that, and all this ego that we have, the best way to do it is just say, look, everything's a recipe. Like I said, everything's been done. Everything that has been done will be done again. It's relearning those recipes. And if you can get your ego out of it and say, I want to learn the recipes of success, that's what the millionaires do. I want to figure out how to do this. So, if you can set aside your ego and say, I want to learn the best recipes, the real new innovate on that bell curve of people in innovation, it is the innovators at the very tip of that curve that are going, okay, well, I know that you, you got batteries that can store energy and I know I want to, I, I want to drill that I don't have an electric cord. They're the ones that are putting those two little tiny pieces together. It's not that hard. And they're creating something new. Those are the ones who are innovative creators. And they're all around us and we all have it. And we all have the ability to, to do this. Once you set your side, your ego, what I was taught was Aaron, learn the basics. Learn your basic math, for one, that helps you 
measure things up in your head. Learn your basic thing. You know, I was taught memorize your t- multiplication tables out to 20 by 20. Most people only went to 12 by 12, remember? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I was taught to memorize. I learned my sine and, to memorize my sine and cosine table for, for reducing angles out in the field. I had that all in my head at one time. <laughs> Not quite now, but I did. <laughs> the point is this. The most exceptional people that you will find in this world are the ones that learn the basics. Your best cook. The ones that, that go out and create these $400, $500 dishes at these fancy restaurants, the ingredients are the same, virtually the same, for just about anybody who wants to get them. Yes. Okay? But it is knowing how to tweak just the right amount of this, just the right amount of this, to get that flavor. And, you know, I learned these things myself, but I proved this knowledge to be correct because when I started, you know, instead of all rethinking over the world, it was go all the way back to the very beginning of the conversation. When I said, I got to re-engineer my world because the one I've been living in is falling apart. I got to figure out what it is that I want to be able to continue doing. So you start looking at everything that you have in your home and you start thinking about, okay, well, if the store shut down and you can't get it on the shelves, and I really like ketchup, I really love ketchup and I want ketchup. How can I make that? Mm-hmm. And this is the process that I've been in in the last 10 years is trying to figure out what can I do for myself. So I've been relearning all these recipes and I'm going to tell you what, if you tasted my ketchup, you'd never buy another damn bottle from the grocery store ever. <laughs> It is that good because the vibrant, rich flavors of all the ingredients that go into it are blow your, blow your taste buds out. Yes. And it has to be, and it's like that with everything. And we've been numb down and dumbed down to the where all you've got is tomato, high fructose corn syrup, a little bit of salt and uh, whatever. And what you got is sugar tomatoes that come out of those other you don't taste the molasses that's in it. You don't taste the clove and all the these vinegar, other, yeah. And the and the vinegar and you. I mean, the point is this: you've had, we we all have had our senses numbed down, dumbed down to where we can't feel, and it is our feeling that is our connection energetically to everything. So if they take it away from you emotionally, they take it away from you experientially by um, covering up your face. If these people can do this to you, what is the solution? The solution is very simple. You do the opposite. Mm -hmm. You start experiencing everything that you can. You start figuring out what you can do because you're a creator. Mm -hmm. You start going back to, and I love the homesteading mentality is because on a homestead, people did not go down to the local grocery store and buy cans of of green beans and uh, mayonnaise and all of these things, you know? I mean, they they were brought to us uh, very um, benevolently in some aspects. Oh, you know, um, 
we can produce some high quality stuff and then we can share it and we can sell it and that saves people the trouble. And because people's labor were valued properly a long time ago, people's labor was exchangeable for value in getting good other things. And that's why, you know, expensive stuff is expensive because it has value. Somebody here recently that I was dealing with, we'll go get into it, but everything that he wanted to do was the cheapest thing he could. No, no, I'll spend less for that. I'll just get it cheaper. I'm not, no, you don't want cheap. You want the most expensive thing that you can afford because not only is it going to last longer, it's built better, but it's going to have higher quality ingredients. I mean, it's like, um, you know, go to Walmart and through the um, kitchen utensil aisle, everything's made out of freaking plastic. Yeah. I don't want that because you'll eventually, you'll drop a hot, a hot spatula in it and you'll melt it or you set it too close to the stove or accidentally on a hot burner or something. And eventually you, you, you destroy it and plus it gets scratched and, and it, you know, it's poor, so it absorbs, absorbs. So eventually you're going to throw it away. And that's what the system is engineered to do is, is to t- take your wealth, take your labor. So don't buy one and keep it for the rest of your life. <laughs> you don't buy a nice, beautiful stainless steel bowl that can take a pounding and, and you know, um, won't absorb odors and, 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 and you can hand it down to your grandchildren if it's taken care of properly. Don't do that. Go buy 10 or 15 or 20 of those plastic ones over the course of your life because then I can keep making money. <laughs> Or I can keep taking your labor. Yes. So everything that we have engineered around us in woo land is the usurpation of energetic input to us to numb, dumb, and diminish our existence and our value. Hmm. And until you stand up and say, no, I am godly, because God created everything in, you know, I believe that perfect image. So why are you putting crap in your body? Because, you know, that's why I, I love it. I put uh, Genesis one twenty nine in, in the description of all my videos. And, you know, and God says to you, I give you all the seed bearing plants on the, on the face of the planet as, as your, as your food. Mm-hmm. So why are you buying processed shit and chemicals and putting that in your body? The, the solution is this. And I'm going to be very general in this, but it has to apply to everything that you think about and do. Okay? Yes. Everything you think about and do. Your solution is real. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. It's to unlearn. It's to, for one, accept the fact that, you know, that we have all been lied to about just about everything and, and let go of ego. That's the first step. A very, very hard step to do. Second is to, um, for the sake of navigating the absolute crisis that we're all going into, humanitarily speaking, to navigate that is to start looking at how to do things, to figure out you better, you better know how to develop your skill set. You better know how to do a lot of things, like making ketchup, you know? Yes. And one of the things that I, I, I said to a lot of the preppers in, in the prepper group meeting up in Montana was this. Don't know what it is. Event occurs and you have to go home. And at that point in time, you cannot leave your home. You must stay there. Then the systems that you depend on and the, water, the public water system, the public power system, those things fail. 
how long can you exist in your home without those things? How long could you exist? Well, a, a standard home that we have in your subdivision where you got a, a eighth of an acre, tenth of an acre, quarter acre lot with a house and a driveway, and, and they're not really suited for that. That's why Thomas Jefferson created the public land system, and we're supposed to have you know 40 acres or more mm-hmm. to grow our food and animals on. But the point is this. You get there, and, and these things occur, and they have. Now, we have all seen this happen. You have seen it. You've been forced into your homes because you don't realize that you're free and you can go out. They don't have a legal right to do this, but they put out that that meme and everybody believes it. And this is what happened, right? Yes. How long can you exist? Well, you can only exist for, you know, 30 seconds without air. You can only exist for three days without water. And you go down these things. And as you do, you start with the basics, you know, food, water, power. And that's why I live off grid, you know. I have my own systems, so they cannot be, you know, as long as I'm here and I don't leave, and as long as God provides rain, I'm good. Then you start going through your house, and you start looking at all the conveniences and amenities that you have. You pop open the refrigerator, mustard, ketchup, those things that that, that we all used to make at home with grandma because we were growing this stuff out in our garden. Yeah. You start thinking about all of these things that you have. You start thinking about all of these things in life that bring you the joy and the color of the creation of humanity. And you start thinking, how can I start making that? Because that's what we need. That's what we had. We had homesteaders and and families with gardens all across this country that produced these things locally. Okay? It's not so much that every family in, in a certain neighborhood has to make their own ketchup. Maybe one family in the community, that's what they get really good at. And that's why we had the interchangeable mark, right? We need to do this to fix the problem. The problem is we threw all our money and our labor into one company that owns everything and hunts or hinds or whatever are the only producers of ketchup. And everybody has to have that because nobody even knows the recipe of how it's put together. See, here's the thing. You can survive out in the woods eating grubs and stuff, but there's not much of a life in your and life expectancy. Isn't going to be that great. The quality of our lives, the, the thriving, thriving quality of our lives is this, the color of the creation of what we take that are natural, existing, vibratory entities and turn that into something better, something more precious to us than just a rock with some gold. We've taken that gold, we've melted it down, we've refined it into something that is decorative for us, that gives it a little bit more value. And then this is the scarcity of those things that make it more treasurable because there's only so much of certain things. Now there's a lot of wood, wood is cheap, wood can be grown, but there's only so much of certain things on this planet. That is where we, we find even greater values is by making something better and better and better refined and then finding ways to get it into more and more people's hands. Because as you see this monetary system, collapse upon us is because we've overdone the printing of our labor and people have created vast quantities of labor at the touch of a keystroke that has allowed people who have not worked for anything to get everything for free 
that's an imbalance of energy. So the solution to all that ails us is to undo what has been done and go back to a much more grounded existence where you have a connection uh, with the energetic living things around you, the food, the animals that you raise for food, those kinds of things to get in touch with that and talk to people who, who farm or have gardens and homesteads and the light in their eyes when they talk about it tells you something. Yes. I, I say that the light in their eyes when they talk about their creations and their connection to this is far, far above and beyond what you comprehend until you experience it. Yes, I agree. That's your solution Mm -hmm. to get out of the matrix, to be self-sufficient, to get out of the matrix. (laughs) This little light of mine. (laughs) (laughs) I sing that a lot. I wasn't raised in the Christian paradigm, but that, idea of the light behind people's eyes that we have encountered you encounter them to me is the idea of the soul within and uh and then you know it when it's in you as well when it's burning bright and this is at the core of everything you brought to the table today here's what i here's what i like to do uh that's just a broad answer and the problem is most people cannot uh apply that thought constantly to everything they do. When, when you learn something new, you should apply that learning to all aspects of your existence because it has an effect. A good recipe will always apply everywhere. You had a sizable channel that was usurped from you that was totally taken down in the craziest way. And now you have this other channel. And then, of course, Tease is your backup. Do you want to say on air how people can find your content? The real Aaron T. Scott, and the reason I put the real is because we live in a fake world, mm-hmm. and when they took down my channel, they changed everything into Japanese and loaded it Japanese, and it was something. all fake. Uh, it was Japanese, okay, and that was no longer me. Part of my process is becoming real and getting out of the fake world. You know, from a legal standpoint, if you follow um, the legal aspects of it, everything is a fictitious corporations are fictitious legal entities are fictitious everything is about the fake and getting you out of reality because they can't do what they do to you in reality because if they did there goes uh there goes karma and karma would kick some ass which is going to do anyway but they know that that they the 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 manipulators of everything they know that so uh they got to be in the fake world so the re guarantee scott is my youtube channel I'm actually kind of withdrawing from it a bit because um, getting where I'm at, getting internet and cell signal are very difficult and it, very expensive. Thank you, Aaron. No, it's been my pleasure and uh, it's been a fun conversation. I look uh, forward to more. All right. Y'all be blessed. You too. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. And there she goes, Aaron T. Scott. It was a great pleasure talking with Aaron, and I am going to actually offer this whole session on the blog 
as Aaron and I are going to dive deeper later into the ingredients in the recipe, if you will. So that will go on the Patreon side. However, I want to give people a taste of how deep these conversations go and an understanding that by the second hour, we are just starting to warm up and get comfortable. We're coming to a simmer and the ideas start to to come forth. The flavors start to meld and it just becomes a richer experience so as I always say the first hour I leave is a whole show unto itself but I do feel that people are missing a lot by not having the back end of these chats uh, and as you know everywhere else all my content is free Obelisk, Nox Minte uh, Cyber Witch Cafe Solaris and Montana and the BB blog all the interviews I do so I am coming into the idea of my own self worth just to let you know it took 8 hours to edit this program so it's, it's no small feat and for that I just want I'm saying that because I want to bring awareness to how long some of these podcasts can run, especially the finer ones that I look up to, like the higher side chats. and uh, There are so many. With other shows that I'm on, like Knox Maintained the Obelisk, Jerry just throws them out, and they are in the raw. And because I have received so much feedback from people about the sound quality and the ums and ahs and gremlins and all that, when I decided to strike out on my own, this was part of what I wanted to bring forward. And I couldn't see having a paywall and not bringing forth a higher quality. And so this is why I have this paywall. And... For anyone that thinks that there's anything that happens for Nox Minte for me, it's pennies, seriously. So I'm coming into understanding my own worth, and I just want to bring that forward. And with that said, I would, I greatly want to thank the people that have come on at the producer level. Marin Kramer, Melanie Poe, and Michael Watcher. And I thank all the other patrons that have come through my Patreon to support this program and the furthering of where I'm going with it. I have big plans and a diverse set of people lined up. So there is no one theme with this show, with my show. I want to move into a lot of territory and cover a lot of ground and so with that I hope you have a wonderful day and that you find illumination within it. Abiento.